Our mission is to inspire, educate, and motivate young people across the Caribbean. This is the Vision Seekers Podcast, where views collide. Founded by Amanda Webley and Shuala Richards during the COVID-19 pandemic. But VSP is more than two. We are a team dedicated to seeking out and presenting solutions to the problems that matter to you through open and honest conversations. Stay tuned. Hello, Ariel Simmons here. This podcast will be part two of the Vision Seekers podcast, NFTs and Metaverse episode. Enjoy. But when it comes to ownership, do you think that people can start owning portions of the internet? Because you know, we know that the internet is a digital thing. If we think about it, it's, it's free. We know that the internet was always free, so we can consider it as a public good, free for everyone to use. But now with NFTs and the potential of owning a part of a digital commodity, do you think definitely that the internet can become privatized and wouldn't, and if that is the case, wouldn't it change the whole function and definition of the internet? That is a wonderful question. That is a that is a great question and a great segue. This is going to actually work right into your question. So, you know, so we're just going to flow right into it. So to answer your question, can people own portions of the internet? Well, not only can we, not only can we, people already do. Many people are just not coming into the consciousness of this. Don't really understand that this is happening now. We're living through it right now, right? A lot of people are in a bubble, but there's a lot of distractions in this world. Right, uh, I think it was uh, Socrates uh, 2000 years ago, you know, that famous Greek philosopher was uh, quoted as saying, there's so much uh, distraction in the world. And this was 2000 years ago. And he was distracted before the internet, before, you know, all this stuff we have now. He was saying the world is so distracted back then, right? So they don't have time to really focus and key in on the innovation of humans and, and how we're like, the, the technology, there's a reason why you know, and this is a whole psychological piece to it. Human, human beings are developing socially much, slow, much more slowly than our technology is. For example, we all have smartphones in our pockets, right? Essentially computers in our, in our pockets at a, at a finger's reach, right? Mm-hmm. But the average person has no idea how that device operates, how it works. They don't know what's in it. Right, human beings are slow to catch on to things sometimes. So, you know, many people may may or may not know that uh, there are there are there are companies right now that are already auctioning digital versions of real world, and they're making millions. Right. So, so I'm I'm gonna say it again. So let's let's use for example, let's use a city like New York. Right. Right now, like in in nineteen in the nineteen hundreds, nineteen oh two. You could buy a square block in, in Manhattan, for example, for $2, $2. Right now you try to buy a square block of land in Manhattan, you're paying anywhere from 10 million to like crazy money, right? So the beauty about this whole new digital era we're, we're stepping into with the metaverse, right? So we're gonna just segue right into the metaverse is that people and companies are coming together and creating these decentralized worlds. So think of it like worlds within worlds. We're in the world, the physical world, but we're creating a digital world, not just 
Like right now we have computers and we engage with media, but it's not really a world, right? You can't really interact with it in a way where you can actually go into it and escape from this reality. You're still engaging with Web 2.0 while still being in this reality. What Web 3.0 is gonna represent is a digital world or digital worlds rather, right? Decentralized, meaning there's no borders to, there's no, it's not gonna be like, oh, this is America and that's, you know, that's Mexico and that's Canada. It's not gonna be that, right? It's gonna be um, a wide, universe inside of this digital space where you can create entire worlds and people are already doing that this website that i have up behind me illustrates exactly what i'm talking about so this website is called decentralized i'm sorry decentraland.org and they are a company that started building exactly what we're talking about right now so I'm just going to read from the website so you guys have an idea of what I'm saying. All right, so let's let's read. So when you go when you get to the website, you're going to be greeted with this. Welcome to Decentraland. Decentraland, okay? Create, explore and trade in the first ever virtual world owned by its users. Hmm, sounds very intriguing right off the bat. So the users own the world. Wow, why wouldn't people want that? People would love that. Explore Lose yourself in an amazing evolving world. Explore lands owned by users to experience incredible scenes and structures from a space adventure to a medieval dungeon maze to entire villages crafted from the minds of the community members. So create your own world. So think of your, so, so dig into deep into your imagination. And if you close your eyes, think of the perfect world where you just feel free, at ease. You don't want to spend a lot of time there. Maybe it might be a beach. Maybe it might be, you know, being on the ocean, maybe on a yacht, right? Think of and think of anything your imagination can, can, can conceive and now apply it to this technology. Now, we're still a ways away from the perfection of this technology. We're going to gradually get better, right? Um, in 1997, the things we were doing with the internet were rudimentary compared to what we can do with the internet today, right? And that's just been a few years. So think about what this means going forward a few years from now, when they're creating entire worlds where you can go in and be anyone you want to be, right? Because you get to create, as you see these, these digital avatars, the people, right? It's kind of like playing Fortnite right now or playing, you know, any of these games that these kids play, you know, Roblox or, right? People, these kids are already in the metaverse. These kids right now are already in the metaverse. Whenever your kids, if you're a parent and your kid plays Fortnite or Roblox and they come to you and they say, dad, mom, can I get some money for Robux? Well, Robux, what that is, is a digital currency within the game, within that, within that metaverse of Roblox. And so when they buy that, when they, when you give them the money, your credit card information and they go on that virtual uh, coin or that virtual money, they can now spend that money in that game, in that, in that metaverse, in that, in that world, right? They spend that money to buy skins, right? So they can change the way they, they, their parents, they can be animals, they can be, you know, different people, they can be strong, uh, you know, a, a bodybuilder, 
you know, you can be tall, short, you can be anything you want to be. You can have specific clothes that people are playing, paying real money for, but in a, but it's virtual clothes, virtual shoes, virtual glasses, virtual, right? These companies are generating millions and millions of dollars off of virtual clothes currently in metaverse type worlds in these games, right? Whether it's Grand Theft Auto, um, you know, which is a popular uh, Xbox platform and, and PS, PS5 platform, PS4 platform game. Uh, millions of people play every day. You can buy uh, houses, you can buy all these things. This is an, an example, we're already living in the metaverse. In a sense, it's the only difference is we're not immersed in it yet, which is what's coming down the pipeline. So let me just use this opportunity right now to, to, to explain something to a lot of people that might be wondering why a, a tech giant like Facebook would go ahead and change their name to, to Meta. Why would, why would Mark Zuckerberg do that, right? So let me, just, let me just break that down real quick. So Mark is not an old man. What do I mean by that? Mark is still young enough to understand the trends. And in, in Mark's kind of business, in order to stay relevant, you have to see the wave before it crests, so to speak. You have to be able to follow the trends and see, you have to have vision. So by him changing the name of Facebook to Meta, he's embracing what's coming down the line. Now, people that still are still not in the metaverse mindset, they don't understand it. Like, what, what, what is he doing? What is this? What is this stuff he's talking about? Three, uh, 3D worlds and VR glasses and haptic feedback suits. Like, what are we, what are we talking about? But if, if you understand what's coming and what's already taking place, you understand that if a company like Facebook doesn't get in early, they're going to be left behind. Which brings me to some of the things that are negative about this technology. A lot of traditional companies that the way they're structured right now, they're going to be left behind because there's going to be they're going to be made obsolete very very quickly, right? Just like when um, became a thing, when Amazon became a thing, one of the things that happened very quickly is that a lot of a lot of businesses, right? A lot of businesses that were resistant to Amazon, right? There were there were protests. They were calling their congressmen. They're like, "You got to do something about Amazon. I'm losing all my business. I can't sell anything." Right? You got people who complained and they weren't able to adjust. And then you had people that were able to be smart and they said, "Okay, well, if I can't beat them, let me join them." And they, what did they do? The same store that they were selling their goods in, they decided to take their goods and just list it on Amazon. Of course, now Amazon gets a piece of their profits, but they still able to sell their goods. So they just basically transferred their physical stores into online stores and they were able to make their money, but on Amazon, while mm -hmm. others weren't able to do that or were too prideful, right? Were unwilling to do that, right? And so they got left behind. Their businesses went down to nothing. They weren't because Amazon sold everything. Amazon was disruptive technology, an example of disruptive technology. It changed the way that we do shopping all over the world. Decentralization definitely is very important. And for our listeners, a brief history of decentralization came out of shifting power. Decentralization is about shifting power. We know that centralization would mean a central body, which is a main body that is responsible for making decisions about a particular system. 
um, are the main decisions about a particular system. Um, let us um, draw for an example, um, central banks and governments, federal governments in the United States or anywhere in the world. Those, those entities will represent centralized systems, centralized people, centralized entities. And decentralization is about shifting the focus, shifting the work from them to regular people. Now, a brief history about the entire concept about decentralization and a very prominent um, experience and event about decentralization came out of the subprime mortgage crisis in 2007-2009. We all know about the housing market. Uh, basically, what happened is that there was a great demand for mortgage securities, mortgage stocks, basically, from ever since the mid 1990s till in the mid, in the first, in the mid um, of the first decade of the 2000s. And banks had a lot of mortgages. A lot of people were interested in, in, interested in buying houses and getting um, mortgage-backed securities definitely to own a home. And basically, Due to the fact that the bank has a lot of supply of mortgages and a lot of demand, they started to give out mortgage, mortgages, which is loans for housing, to people who would not normally qualify for a mortgage in regular times. So that was known as subprime mortgages, um, basically. And what happened after that is that the housing market eventually crashed. And those who would not normally qualify for a mortgage in regular times, due to the fact that the bank gave out those mortgages, basically resulted in the crash of the mortgage market, as well as crash in the, um, banks and economies worldwide. Now, we have an entity who is known as Satoshi Nakamoto. Basically, he is the first person to implement Bitcoin on a public level, basically, as well as he, um, as well as that entity, Satoshi, is the inventor of Bitcoin. And he thought that he thought and believed in decentralization, which comes full circle to our discussion that we're having today um, between Luke and I in terms about decentralization and how. Satoshi thought that it was necessary for people, regular people like you and me, to not rely on central banks and governments, which personally speaking, I would say it's good. We have our central banks and we have our governments, and we know that there are smart people and we elect them and we have and we elect them to be in certain places. People believe in them and hence why they're there. But otherwise, there are people outside of the world outside of central banks, outside of governments who believe in a system that can be transparent, who believe in a system that we can make decisions um, also and looking into things on a deeper level and on a wider level, not to leave the work, not to leave the burden to only one set of persons, or which would be centralized entities like central banks and governments. Satoshi implemented blockchain technology and with blockchain technology, persons could now think about ways of how to, you know, 
become part of a system to make decisions, to look at transaction accounting ledgers and reports, be in the loops of a decision as to how money is mobilized throughout economies and everything. And, and it's very important. And it, and it's something that's some it's something that we need to look into because it will become the normal things in the future. Um, in economies worldwide, growing economies, the United States, Canada, England, these countries, these economies that are doing well and that are making advances in societies, in global societies, they are implementing and they are taking on onto the concept of decentralization, the implementation of blockchain technology, the implementation of using NFTs, which are all forms of decentralization. Once upon a time, once upon a time, years ago, maybe centuries ago, governments used to be responsible for things. Um, in the Caribbean, especially in Jamaica in the 1980s, majority of the banks were nationalized. In other words, governments used to own majority of the banks in Jamaica at one point in time in the 60s, 1960s to the 1990s. And ever since the 1990s to now, more private personals are owning um, banks. And so the focus have now been shipped from the government to private personals. And now even more private personals with decentralization, more persons are getting an opportunity to showcase their goods and services, to be a part of a wider system, a system created for the people. You mentioned definitely that economies will now be built on, on people. And it's very important that we know this definitely, Luke, in terms of now that things have not been changed. Majority of persons now are given the opportunities to make decisions and to be a part of the, the system. And, and, and it's something that we as carbon citizens need to take into consideration. It is very important. You mentioned a point, not to stray, well, I'm gonna stray definitely to move on to the next point where you mentioned something that I would like to um, you to touch on. Interesting part about the metaverse and owning lands. Could you tell me more about that? How, um, in terms of how maybe us as Caribbean citizens, how can we become a part of this metaverse? Is there something more? Why should people learn and invest more attention into what it has to offer? Oh, okay. So to, 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 to kind of start answering that question, I would say, you know, embracing the internet, embracing computers, would give us a better uh, foothold as Caribbean people with competing or keeping up with the rest of the world, right? The modern world. Um, so, technology is relevant to Caribbean people because it's a world, again, it's a worldwide technology. It's something that seeks, as you explained so eloquently, uh, it seeks to do away with borders but in a digital sense, right? We can do business in a virtual space where there's no violations of, oh, you know, you're coming over here to do this. There's a fee there, you know, you gotta get permission from this person. Um, you know, it's, it's a truly pure organic way for human beings to be able to business in a virtual space, no matter where on the planet, you know, or in the future off the planet, right? That's a whole other conversation, but uh, you may be, right? I think it's a beautiful thing for people to, to, to sit and kind of like 
look ahead, right? I like to think sometimes I think back on like people that lived in like, you know, the 1800s. Could a person like the average Joe in the 1800s, could they fathom, right? A computer, could they fathom a car, not just a car, but a vehicle, right? Let's say, cause back then they had horse and carriages, right? But could they think of one day, maybe a, a, a carriage that would come and pick them up and not have a driver, not have a horse? You get what I'm saying? So we're, we're living in a very interesting time where, where people uh, are learning that you have to kind of like really think how far this thing is gonna go. We are living in an exciting time. We're living in an exciting time that humanity is going through a shift, right? And whether you're on board or not is irrelevant, right? It's irrelevant, it's happening. It's not going to happen, it's already happening. As I have showed before, these things are taking place in real time as we speak. So the question just becomes to me, I mean, philosophical standpoint, you know, what do you wanna do, you know? Human beings, if we're lucky, we get, what, 100 years? You know, if you want to live to be that old. Um, if you're lucky nowadays, you know, with everything that we're exposed to, you know, people are living, you know, to be, you know, maybe 80s, 70s, 80s. Um, it's very rare that somebody lives to be 100. We have a, limit, we have a, a finite amount of time to make our mark in the world, right? And so there's a lot of things that for a long time, our parents and their parents weren't able to affect any real change. And now here we are able to literally create the world that we want to live in, in more ways than one, right? We can use the digital space to affect the real world change in our world through projects uh, that crypto coins are tied to, you know? I can think of several ideas that would benefit the world instantly um, that I'm not going to share because you know, they're, they're ideas, personal ideas. But, um, you know, anyone, I encourage anyone that has any real idea or any real thing that can affect some real change in this world. This is an opportunity to, to really educate yourself on this, this, this technology and find a way to utilize it to um, to gain, push in the right direction to really turn things around. Because for a long time, um, humans have just felt like, you know, we're just on this ride and we don't really have, especially with the implementation of governments, right? After we left feudalism alone, you know, we started trying to experiment with different kinds of governments. That's why, you know, for example, nations like North Korea, uh, China, right? Cuba, uh, Russia, you know, they're communists and, you know, a lot of people, that kind of thing, right? And then you have other people who are capitalists, right? Um, you have socialists, you have all these different styles of government that govern depending on where your geographic location on this planet is, you know, different places are governed differently. Um, but for, for the first time in forever, right? Human beings have the ability to create the world that they want to live. Because, and this, this is what makes this, this, uh, this so controversial and so radical, radically revolutionary, because it literally, quite literally, 
takes the power away from the 1% and gives it to, to, to everybody else, okay? So understand what that means, right? What is, I guess my question, my question would be, and I, and I asked myself this question one time as being a visionary, people that are currently and have been in control of different aspects of our world, are they going to quietly retreat into the night and just accept things for where they're going? Or are they going to try to figure out a way to slow this process down, slow this technology down, put roadblocks so that they can keep power and so we can continue going down this rabbit hole of uh, destruction through uh, economics, which we're currently, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's, it's count down to World War III, right? And that's a whole nother conversation, but it really ties in, it all ties in, and that's why these kind of conversations are need, needs to be organic because there's so many aspects when you're talking about finances, right? Nations go to war over this type of stuff, right? People within nations will go to war civilly amongst themselves over a technology like this. It's so disruptive. It's so disruptive, right? It threatens the power structure as we have known it for so long. You know, when you have people making decisions and making their own decisions and doing it fairly and equitably, you know, where they can't come in and, and, and just, you know, uh, you know, scam people out of their money. For example, let's talk about central banks because you brought it up. So the central banking system has abused and, you know, I'm sure you're aware, right, has taken advantage of so many people all around the world, so many nations all around the world. Mm -hmm. The system itself is, is built in such a way where, you know, certain people stand to benefit very, very highly off of other people's efforts, right? Other people, because it's all about energy. You, you create this mechanism that benefits you more than it benefits the people involved. You get them to blindly just follow it, kind of like the, the mouse in the maze, right? It's kind of like just moving through your creation. And now the mice are uh, stopping and going, wait, why are we doing this? Why are we going through this maze? Let's figure out a different way, right? And they're building, they're building their own, their own pathways, right? And so use that analogy to say that people are waking up that governments usually tend not to have our best interests at heart. You know, it, it's a sad reality, but it's the nature of that type of system. And I'm not saying one system is better than another. I'm not proposing to sit here today and say I have the answers. And I only have opinions like everyone else. But what I do know is that the way that most of the world is operating, it's a, it's a, it's only a matter of time until it comes to a head, right? With the, the right, especially here in America, in inflation, right? America is, is quite literally becoming a third world country. Quite literally, right? Because we don't produce anything here in America anymore. We we import all our goods. Um, why that's happening or why that's the case, you know, that's for you to do your research and, and kind of figure out what's going on with that. But at any rate, the inflation is, 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 is high and it's devaluing quite rapidly the, 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 the dollar as a currency. And, so, you know, this whole technology with, you know, NFTs and cryptocurrencies and, you know, blockchain technology is coming at a time where it's crucial, where 
we're going to have to decide what do we want? Do we want to continue down this path, the one that we know and the one that we've been using that has so many flaws and so many people aren't benefiting, benefiting um, effectively off of their efforts? Or you want to go into a different type of system where, where people, individuals can, can create economics around themselves, right? By getting other human beings to invest in them at the same time as they're investing in them, they're helping themselves by promoting their work and their, their efforts and their energy, right? It's an energy producing, energy producing, energy effect, right? When people are helping other people and helping themselves at the same time. The colony works together uniformly for the, the, for the betterment of the, the, the entire hive. Right, it's like a hive mind uh, kind of, we're switching to like a hive technology, right? Where everything we do, every action has a positive reaction versus every action having an action that we have no control over the, the trajectory of where that, that leads us, it takes us. But I do foresee wars being fought over this technology. I really do. Um, because already there are rumors that China is not going to embrace this for obvious reasons, right? And if China is not going to embrace this, 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 mm -hmm. this switch, then the question becomes Russia going to do it? I do know that we're going to have the ability, if we, if we really start standing this technology, we're going to have the ability that none of our predecessors were able to do that we're going to be able to create the world we want to live in. But we all have to want that for it to work. And um, the incentive is huge because you support somebody in the space, support, you support yourself. And so I think that's going to be an incentive for most regular folks, whether you're in the Caribbean, you know, you're in the Middle East, you're on the continent, wherever you are on this planet, right? This is happening now and it's going to affect you. I don't care where you are. I don't care who you are. If you embrace this technology, you can find a way to pull yourself out of the gutter, right? I'm learning as much as I can so that I can do exactly that, right? And um, there's, there's, only, there's no limit but the limits that you create for yourself when it comes to this space. Uh, is it all gonna be positive? Absolutely not, absolutely not. There's gonna be a lot of uh, drawbacks that we can talk about um, and I don't want to eat up all the time that we have today to talk about the negative things, sort of positive things. And um, this technology really gives us the ability to create the world that we want to live in, essentially. Um, so you asked me earlier to touch upon the land that I was talking about. So I was briefly saying that right now you can purchase, you can purchase land in the, uh, in the metaverse so for example, there are developers that's developing software that are creating worlds of, of digital versions of our real world. So you have people that will like go and they'll go like, for example, Washington DC, and they'll buy the land that the White House is sitting on. And so when this decentralized lands are created, those people, whatever is happening in that space can profit off of those digital assets, the digital version of the real world, right? And it's, it's, it's hard to really comprehend because it's like, you know, what's the utility of owning something? Well, right now it's hard to realize it because we don't have 
the hardware to support uh, a lot of these ideas that's, that's being built currently, right? But down the line, right, like Decentraland that, that I spoke about, right? You can buy land within these, right? And there's lots of other lands that they're creating, right? Where if you own that land and that particular world, digital world is popular and a lot of people come to that world in the metaverse in the future, right? That land now becomes profitable because let's say you put a business on that land, a digital business on that land. Now you're able to make money based on your geographical location within that digital world. So, so understand that, right? And, and this is this is what I'm saying, like this is beautiful, right? You can get in early and you can buy a piece of land now while it's cheap. And then 20 years from now, you know, you can you can cash it in for a fortune, depending on how, you know, how profitable an area you purchase, right? It's kind of like, uh, I liken it to when Netflix first came up. Netflix was a small company that sought to do something disruptive, right? There's a recurring theme here, disruption, right? These, these technologies are disruptive. They come in and they shake up the current new things, right? And so Netflix came in at a time, if you remember, there was companies like Blockbuster and Hollywood movies where people would go into the store, you know, every Friday night or, you know, it was open every night, but usually on the weekends, you're going with the family to pick a movie, right? I think in the Caribbean, they used to call it a, a movie shop, video shop, something like that, right? And you go in and you pick the movie and you rent it and then you bring it back. That's what was going on here in America, right? With, with uh, net, uh, not, not, sorry, blockbuster movies. You go in and it used to be VHS's uh, tapes and you, you rent the tape you wanted and then you know, we moved to CDs, we jumped, made that shift, right? See the recurrent theme, we're shifting. We shifted the CDs and then we were able to go in and get the CDs and rent it and we bring it back and then you can rent something else. And then we're making a it came on Netflix, right? A group of guys, I think they were college students. And at first they came to Netflix and made their pitch. They said, hey, we have this idea and we want to, um, we want to um, have people order the movies online and we just send it to them so they don't have to leave their house. And they were like, you know, Blockbuster's position was like, how does it benefit us to do that? Right, whoever sat on the board of that company at the time, they didn't have, so they got left behind. And that's a perfect example of what, what happens to companies who fail to follow the trends or to see where things are going, right? Because Blockbuster basically told Netflix to kick rocks, you know? And so they, they went and they built Netflix up and Netflix is what it is today. They, don't, they no longer send you any movies in the mail. They just stream it over the internet because the technology existed, right? They just thought like, okay, why not just stream the movie? You pay for the service, you stream the movies, you watch it in the comfort of your home. You don't have to get a CD. You don't have to get a, a cassette tape. You don't have to have a VH, uh, VHS or anything like that. You can just stream the movies, right? A few years ago, that was a foreign concept, but now it's the norm, right? Every night we turn on our Netflix and we watch our shows and so on and so forth. It's normal now. A few years ago, it wasn't normal, right? It was new. And that's why Netflix is so successful. And a lot of investors, hedge fund guys, right? Wall Street guys, a lot of people 
were able to see where Netflix was going and invest in Netflix early. And they made a lot of money, right? Uh, you know, similar companies people got in on early. Uh, Amazon, another one. If you got in on Amazon early when the stocks were cheap, you made you made a, a you know a significant amount of money. Um, um, Amazon, Netflix, and uh, another big one. I can't think of I can't think of it right now. But the point still remains. Um, you know. The secret to this is just following the trends. Um, if you are an individual, you just have to follow the trends and figure out how you can fit your plan, your business plan, whatever your passion is, right? Because I, I like to tell people to follow their passions. Some people follow their money, some people follow their passions. It depends on who you are. But you can make your passion profitable. Make your passion profitable, right? I say, right? Find a way to make your passion profitable. For example, my passion is training and, and teaching people confidence through self-defense. Not only self-defense, but just using your mind to envision different ways of doing things. And so I found a way for my company, Virtual and I, right, to do just that, right? I have clients that I like coach, and I also have clients that I physically coach, uh, both in fitness and in defense, right? And so you gotta find a way, you owe it to yourself as an individual, wherever you are in the Caribbean, if you're in Europe, I don't care, right? You find a way to, to take the things that you care about and you find a way to make it profitable, right? Because you're gonna be much, in my opinion, happier following your goals than it is to try to fit into something you're not passionate about. So if you're already passionate about something, whether it's, I don't care what it is, Find a way to use this technology, this internet, right? This web 3.0 that's coming out, that's coming down the uh, pipeline. Find a way to profit off what you do. Because one of the things, and I, I'll say this here, this is one idea I will share with you, the, the viewers of this podcast. Um, so once you understand how much abundance there is, sometimes you can talk about certain ideas and not have to worry about it because nobody else has what you have. Right, so I'll share this idea with you. So I'm a physical trainer, right? I'm already envisioning starting a business within the metaverse where I have a, uh, a digital gym, right? So I'm gonna be able to train my clients in a digital space. So it could be a class, right? Several people face, right? They're looking at my digital avatar. They can see me because I'm in a suit, right? They can see my movements. And we're working out together, even though we're in separate locations. We might not even be on the same continent, right? You could be in Africa. I could be here in America. We get together in a digital space, which is a studio, looks just like a gym, right? And we're working out together as a class, right? Now you can apply that, 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 that mentality to just anything, right? If you're a guy that's very uh, good with computers and you want to teach a course on how to do web design or how to create a website, I'm sorry, create, a, um, not create, but um, how to learn how to program, you know, C++ and, and these languages, these programming languages. You want to be somebody to teach somebody if you want to understand that, for example, you can start a virtual class where you can have people come in and you can interact with them in ways that you cannot interact with them over video. Video is like 
it's almost like one dimensional compared to what I'm saying, right? It's kind of like one dimensional compared to what I'm saying. I'm talking about being immersed in your activity with the people that are interested in that activity. And you guys are working together in a digital space. You know, I can go on and on about this. So I'm going to redirect it because you know, I can go on and on. Did I, did I do a good job at, at, at explaining how you can purchase land and how? Yes. You know, okay. It was great. It was great. And, um, and all things being considered, it was very interesting. When you, when you think about everything in general and how the world is evolving, it's something that we ought as humans to become a part of. Definitely, you've mentioned today, you've mentioned about um, where we're coming from as a people in the last 300 years. Well, I think from the start of the industrial era where technology came in, the world has been consistently changing, things has been improving. And you know who are the persons who left were who were left behind was the persons who did not take advantage of the technology that existed at that point in time we're talking about from the days of rockefeller and henry ford and and the technology and the industrial eras the train the steams engine and even when it comes to jp morgan and how they even hold owned railroads in america in the industrial era in the early 1900s and even his father would have been a banker in europe they came in bringing the banking system inside America, developing a banking system. And even now the banking system is being changed. Everything about the world is being changed. All foundations have been laid down and things have consistently been built up on everything. We know about the internet. We know that the internet went public in the year of 1993 with Netscape and everything like that. And even now the very internet that we knew then has if you are comparing the internet now with then two different things and now with the metaverse and now with the nfts it's a completely <laughs> new thing and it is something definitely that we as humans need to take advantage of we as a caribbean people we are small island developing states. some of us um, developing countries um, some of us we are competing with the rest of the world and you know we're going to be very honest and plain we're behind in most of the things and it's not a it's it's an it's not a bad thing person because there is room for improvement there is lessons to learn from developed countries and what they're doing and how to take advantage to fully immerse ourselves in the global markets and the global scheme and systems of things and it is now high time for everyone to look at what is going on in the general space of the world to take lessons from it and learn to adapt it as a, as a norm because it is going to be the very way of how to go forward we do not want to be on back burner at the other end and on the end of the day behind in majority of the things while everybody is evolving Soon and very soon, ways of how we make money today will not be ways of how to make money in the future. Jobs will become obsolete. New jobs will come into place. And with new jobs, new skills. And with new skills, new knowledge. And those who have pre-existing knowledge will advance further than those who are learning about it. 
when they realize that it is there in front of them, even though it's already here. So definitely for our viewers, today has been a very good and fruitful discussion. We have talked about NFTs, non-fungible tokens. We talk about the importance of non-fungible tokens. We touch base on the metaverse. We explain definitely about the metaverse and the importance of the metaverse, how it is and how, Im how it's more of an immersive technology as the definition of the metaverse means it's a hypothesized iteration of the internet, which should mean that now with metaverse, as Luke mentioned, it is now a way of how to, con it is a way of how to connect with people on a different level. But sometimes we used to maybe use videos, maybe now with the metaverse, we can actually learn to connect with people who we do not know on a different level. The world is changing. Technology is now advancing. Things are getting on a different level. The world is rapidly changing, as stated before. And really and truly now, with the entirety of cryptocurrencies, with decentralization and with everything coming to play with, these new technologies, we as humans need to take lessons and to adapt. If I can interject that, this is very important to stay before I forget. So, so right now, right, we're, we're dealing with crypto, right? But we have to understand that um, investing, investing in the, so, so let me say this real quick. So when people think about money and economics, right? They, they take that money, that they earn and they put it in a bank where they get a small amount of interest on it each year, right? And then you understand, if you understand economics, you understand that, for example, let's just use $100,000. In 1991, $100,000 US could do a whole lot more than $100,000 US can do in 2021, right? The, the amount hasn't changed, right? It's still $100,000, but what has changed is the inflation over the time frame, because of the way that the, 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 the economy is structured, right? Prices are going up because more money is being printed and being put into circulation. And so the prices of everything up, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, if you go more in depth with that, but I'm just trying to do a basic surface level so I can get to a point. So if you understand that, you understand that there's no security in putting your money in a, in a bank, right? And this is what Jamaicans or anybody anywhere that's listening to this, this is the takeaway from this. You take your money that you earn every day, you take a percentage of that earnings, right? Call it a sacrifice. So nothing, so nothing comes from So you got to do something to get something. So, you know, however you got to restructure your life with sacrifices, maybe you got to cancel something that you really don't need. I don't know. Figure it out. But you, you sacrifice in your budget whatever you can, and you have a particular amount of your money that you earn from your labor, energy, from your own physical human energy. The money you earn after you pay your taxes and so on and so forth, you take some of that money and you invest it into a company like a cryptocurrency that you believe in. And then you can either do a, be a short term investor, meaning you're just in it for profit, short term profits. So let's say you invest $2,000 in. The coin goes up and you make, you know, you make $10,000. You take profits, right? And you just keep letting that money sit and you keep doing it. You invest in different coins, right? You can do it like that. Right now in Jamaica, anywhere you are, you can start doing that. You don't have to buy a lot of cryptocurrency. The exchange rate from the JA to Jamaican uh, dollar 
dollar in order to convert it and then buy that currency that you want in the amount that you want, right? It doesn't matter if you get in early and you keep buying into a particular coin or several particular coins, for example, you invest that money, you're buying into it, right? When that goes up, if you're a short-term investor, you take profits and you just keep reinvesting. Over time, you start to make money and you'll just, you know, is nobody's, is anybody's guess where that's gonna go? Right? Another way to do it is um, invest in companies that are going to be, so actual companies, right? But you don't want to you don't want to invest in just any company, as in stocks, right? Um, if you're going to invest in stocks, what I think you should do, and this is not financial advice, this is just opinions based on just my opinion, right? You should always try to to look at the trends from a common sense perspective. I'm a common sense guy, right? Um, if we're talking about the metaverse, if we're talking about NFTs, if we're talking about you know. Uh, uh, blockchain technology, what are we really talking about? When we talk about internet, web, uh, web 3.0, web 2.0, what are we really talking about? If you break it down and keep going into the, the mentality of it, you're gonna realize the conversation that we're having right now doesn't work without energy. If my device isn't charged, we can't have this conversation. No matter how great the technology is, the phone is amazing, right? The, the ingenuity that went into creating this phone is amazing. But without electricity, it's a paperweight. It's a paperweight, right? So what am I saying? I say invest in companies that support the thing that you're interested in. So you want to move your money around. You want to have a diversified portfolio, right? As a, a young starting investor. And a lot of these companies, their stocks are not expensive because people aren't People aren't thinking long-term. This is for long-term investors, by the way. I already told short-term investors what they could do. So if you're if you're a long-term investor type of person, you want to hold on a few years so you can make that big amount of money. What you want to do now is you want to start looking at the companies that are into energy. What do I mean? Energy sectors like solar, right? Solar panels, right? We're going to renewable, clean sources of energy in the next few years, that's where the world is going. We don't wanna use dirty, like coal. We don't wanna burn coal because it has a negative impact on the environment. So what does that mean? That simply means that, you know, that's why if you look around, Tesla has been massively successful in their EVs, vehicles in 2020. I think they sold more cars than everybody else, right? And the only reason they're doing this is because they are ahead of the curve when it comes to the next transition in that sector, right? Crypto is the next technological jump, but EVs, when it comes to uh, machinery and, and vehicles, right? EVs are gonna be the next wave, electronic vehicles, because it's so much cheaper to operate an EV than it is to operate a gas guzzling vehicle that works off of fossil fuels. So this is, this is the, the thought process that people have to follow when you're investors, right? Especially the little guy. The big guy, he, you know, he can just throw some money here and there and then he'll make money, right? But the little guy, like us, we have to be intelligent with our, with our resources. And so we wanna make sure we set ourselves up and how we do that is we want to invest in companies that are going to support the other things, right? Think of it as a foundation. Everything that we're talking about today, 
that we talked about, you know, Decentraland and all of these other things, they don't work without power. That simply means if you invest in power between now and the next five, 10 years and just sit, sit back, wait, and if the creator grants you life, you're gonna make some money, right? For example, um, Tesla, very successful company, like I said, they make electronic vehicles, right? Uh, hybrids and electronic vehicles, fully electronic vehicles. Um, a lot of these vehicles, the components like that run the computer systems are made by specific companies. Now, I'm not going to tell you the name of these companies. This is where you've got to do your due diligence. You go and you do your research. We all have these mini computers in our pocket, right? We live in a great time. We have access to information more than any other group of people in the past. We literally can find out anything like in seconds. Utilizing it in a way where, you know, they can utilize it in a way that can benefit themselves over time. So that's what I'm, that's my challenge to whoever is listening to this. Go and do your research on the companies that make the components for these EVs, and then you invest in those companies. Because if you do, you're gonna be a millionaire. If you invest in the guys right now, the, the, the video game, because this is another thing we need to talk about. So the metaverse is being built by a lot of the same companies that are building, that have been building video games for years. The Unreal Engine, for example, you know, it's powered games like I think Mortal Kombat. Uh, I want to say Grand Theft Auto. I might be wrong. I'm not really a, a game guy like that. I play games, but not, I'm not in, into it like that. But there are a lot of these engines and a lot of these uh, computer software programs to create different environments. They've been doing it for years, right? And so these are going to stand to profit very heavily because they're going to be literally creating the environments within these worlds. So common sense tells you, you want to make some money now, right? It's still not too late. The train is in the station. You take your money that you earn through your blood, your blood, sweat, and tears sometimes, right? Depending on what you do, if you're a fighter, maybe you earn your money by boxing, maybe blood, sweat, and tears, right? You take that money, you take a percentage of what you make every month, so you got to do your, your research and your, your budgeting and you take a percentage of that as a sacrifice, right? Maybe you have to give something up. Like I said before, you take that percentage, no matter how small it is, and you invest in what you can, but you want to invest in, um, in smart things. That's cheap. So buy low, sell high. The basic concept of economics, buy low, sell high. Buy in the dip, sell when it goes up, right? Stock markets, that's what it's built on. People have been making millions in the stock market for years, right? When, when a stock goes down, buy it. When it's cheap, buy it. And when it shoots back up, you know, who knows what you're gonna, where you're gonna be at, what your position, your financial position is gonna be at. There's no telling, right? So understand, man, it takes a lot of common sense to be an investor. And it also takes your research and information. So yeah, do your due diligence. Um, Follow the trends, try to be a visionary, try to imagine we are and where we're going to be in the next five, 10, 15, 20 years. And then put yourself in position along the way to reap some kind of benefit from what's gonna happen anyway. It's already happening. You just gotta find, you just gotta find your spot in it. And once you find your spot in it, 
If you're a long-term investor, just sit back and just wait. Sit back and just wait, you know? And you wanna have multiple positions in different things, right? You wanna be in stocks. So supporting actual companies, like the companies we talked about, that's supporting this, this metaverse uh, jump from uh, Web 2.0 to 3.0. You wanna, you wanna support these companies. Facebook wouldn't be a bad idea. If you can afford to buy Facebook stock, I would, I would go, sorry, I'm sorry, meta, meta stock. If, if you can afford to buy some meta stock, I would highly suggest buying some meta stock because Mark Zuckerberg is a visionary. He's able now, he's, he's started with the, uh, his platform so it can fit into the metaverse. And, and just to give you uh, some understanding of what I mean, by worlds within worlds. Think of Disney World, right? Disney World is a, is a place that actually exists within our actual physical world, right? People, children from all over the world for years have dreamt about going to Disney World. Now, some people are fortunate to go and visit Disney World, people, and Disneyland, Disneyland and Disney World, right? And some people are fortunate to have that experience, but that experience have been, has been denied to people all over the world that maybe can't you know, afford to travel, physical travel, or maybe they're, they just can't go because they have other obligations that keeps them where they are geographically. In the metaverse, a company like Disney will now be able, right, follow me, to create a, a decentralized land, right? They'll be able to create a Disney world, a, a virtual version of the real place in a virtual space. So think of all the, the rides and all the virtual reality rides they have there right now, like Universal Studios, for example. They have rides that has been utilizing uh, uh, 3D uh, technology for years, right? I never went to Disney World or Disneyland, Lakes, which is a theme park. And um, I remember years ago, I was still a kid, um, we went on a ride and it had, it was a virtual reality ride and it blew my mind. It blew my mind back then, back then, right? So I can just imagine where we're going with this. I remember it was like, it was a dinosaur. It was like a dinosaur. We went back in time. We got in this ride, you put on these goggles, you're sitting in this thing and it moves, right? It moves, they spray water on you to, you know, go by the water. And there's this dinosaur chasing us and we're in a vehicle. And when I tell you, it looks like, it feels like the dinosaur is right here. Like literally, it feels like it's like right here. You can feel its breath on your face, right? You're in this vehicle trying to escape this thing. It's chasing you, it's the ground shaking. You're feeling the, it feels like you're fully immersed in this. And this is years ago, I'm not talking about right now. So working on this for a very long time. This is where we're going, right? This is where we're going, right? In the, in the deep, deep future, long after you and I are gone, everybody watching this is gone. This world is gonna be an entirely different place. And I foresee like even something as silly as wars, right? Being fought in a virtual space, right? Like that'd be good because, you know, a lot of people will not actually die. You know, I don't know what that would be, really look like, but I could, I could even see stuff like that happening in the metaverse. Um, 
anything that you can imagine that we can't physically do right now. Like right now, there's a lot of people that will never be astronauts because either they're not smart enough to do it or they just don't have the time to pursue the education and become an astronaut, right? It's very, very mentally demanding. So the amount of people that will ever be able to actually go into outer space is very low. But in the metaverse, right, these developers, these, these game developers, these people that are working on these powerful engines, right, these environments, they're going to now be able to create rides and worlds and things where you can get on a rocket, go into outer space, feel like you're actually there. Right? If you ever wanted to go to the ocean and do deep sea dive, which you're always too scared to do it in real life where you can't afford to, in the future, I foresee you being able to put on your goggles or your glasses or whatever, what have you. I'll go on and on and on. So uh, I'll let you go ahead and let me know where you think we should go uh, now concerning this uh, topic. You can, uh, it's been very extensive and I appreciated the insight. Um, it has been very deep. I can tell you definitely you touched based on basically every point here. And as stated before, as I mentioned, we know that the world is changing definitely with advances in technology and 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 everything being changing. Um, the world as we know then um before is no longer the world now. And now I would term it as this being um we are now evolving in Earth too. I can say it like that. But in terms of everything you've mentioned about the NFTs, you mentioned about the metaverse, you went in depth about blockchain, decentralization, as well as definitely the metaverse, as well as in terms of business ventures that Caribbean businesses can leverage to start to make some money and to profit ways of how us as human beings can profit, definitely. And it has been a very good insight. And I appreciated. The con I appreciated the discussion and you taking the time here to be there and to share with you, share with us your knowledge and your and your thoughts on this immersive technology and the impact that it will have on not only the Caribbean but global societies. Thank you very much again, our viewers and listeners, and stay tuned to another. Take it easy. Until then. This is a Vision Seekers podcast with Reviews Collide. This has been an episode of the Vision Seekers podcast. Together, we can create a society that benefits us all. Send us an email at thevisionseekers.podcast at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube and Instagram at the Vision Seekers podcast. And follow us on Twitter at Vision Seekers JA. We look forward to hearing from you.